0: Give you a minute to find it. Everyone good? Yes. All right. (laughs) Okay. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Titus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and... That he may encourage your hearts and with him on ond on, Synod, Mnismith. on Mnismith, excuse me, our faithful and beloved brother <coughs> the one who is one who is one with you, excuse me, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here um, Aris, how you say that Aris, Aristarchus, thank you, <laughs> my fellow prisoner greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Jutus justice, excuse me, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me, if Epaphas, one who is one who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, greets you, always struggling on behalf of his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laos, Laodice, Laodicea and in Hierapolis. <coughs> Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Damas. <clears throat> Give my greeting to the brothers of Leodicea and to Nymphia and the church in her house. When <clears throat> and when this letter has been read among you, have it be have it also read in the church of Laodicea, and see that you read the letter. From Laodicea, and say to Archippus, "See your see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord." I, Paul, write this greeting from my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is God's word.
1: Thanks, man. Is you by your heads, please, guys. Lord Jesus, we uh, we pray that you would just uh, open up your Word to us. We ask that you're Spirit, we've got our time. We pray that this will be a continual part of worshiping you. Uh, yeah, give me your words, Lord. Allow us to see uh, what Paul was um, desiring uh, to communicate even during uh, the conclusion of his letter. We love you. We thank you that you give us an opportunity to be in a country where we can be free and have all these Bibles, open them up, and, and be trained up in true, unadulterated wisdom uh, from the Scriptures. Uh, we don't take that for granted. We're very grateful, Jesus. We love you, in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated, guys. Um, first, I want to uh, apologize to Selson. That was like, all those words, it's like a cruel, like, is this some kind of crew pastoral joke? Like, hey, man, why don't you read uh, verses, you know, 7 through 18? So I apologize for that, man. That was not, that wasn't you, that was me. It was like, i you know. So uh, those are a lot of. A lot of words to have to navigate through. You did a great job being very gracious. Um, if you need Bibles, you can raise your hand, and we'll go ahead and pass those Bibles out to you. I'll uh, just to give you a couple of ground rules. We're very serious about if you have questions, to ask questions. Uh, heart behind uh, being here, doing what we do, is that the gospel will be clear and it'll lead toward worship. Uh, with that said, um, this is a community. Uh, we love each other, and that's why, if you're new, we love having our kids run up and down aisles. This is what we do, so uh, it's who we are. Uh, so, uh, please feel free to ask questions. We're going to jump right toward, we're at the end of Colossians, y'all. Praise Him! Yeah, we keep plowing through by God's grace. And then we're going to hit Proverbs. And, um, and I just, I, I take good counsel from people. And you guys said, "If you come in here with one more verse uh, for a whole sermon, I'm going to get you. I'm just kidding. No one said that. That was a joke. See, Matthew is my man. He's about to get y'all. Who said that to you, <laughs> Pastor? You lead the body. So, I was just joking, Matthew. Don't get him, brother. So, uh, this, is, uh, this, this, this little pericope here uh, is seen in, in, other, in, other, uh, in other books of the Bible. Uh, not this one in particular, but just the format of, of the conclusion. And a lot of times when you see conclusions like this, you can kind of just go ahead and read through them real quick. And you kind of just feel like, man, let me just get to the good stuff. Let me go to my next book or something like that. Thanks for the theology lesson from all the other stuff, Paul, but I don't need to know about your boys. And then we kind of move on. Um, and so I, I want to encourage us as we deal with Genesis, as, we, as we're doing here, uh, that the Lord, has he's, 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 he's intentional. And, and I want to propose the most intentional person and, and all of uncreated and created things and so even the Holy Spirit placing uh, this piece in the text I wanted to say so why why is Jesus doing this why is he um, inspiring a man to write up uh, a description like this in fact um, why does Paul in, in all of his letters he probably gives mention to about a hundred people um, and I, I want to propose that while you're reading through this text with me, and as we go, we're just going to go do a, not, not a character study, but I just want us to, to look at these lives of these people, and I want us to come to maybe a, a big conclusion, because to me, I, it was funny, as I was reading and praying and meditating on the verses, man, I got really emotional uh, during this time, because it was, it was, I think there's something that, that Jesus is trying to teach us about this text here. Uh, one in particular, I want you to keep it in the back of your mind as you read, and that is, um, man, life's about people. At the end of the day, I think Paul is trying to show us something about uh, that he is not in writing this in some vacuum somewhere. You know, living a perfect life, just loving God, never having any bad days. But man, he's writing this, and you know what he wants us to get? He wants to see that man. His life is like ours. It was a struggle. It was a fight, and there were relationships, and some of the relationships hurt, and some of them are great. Some of them are you surprised about. It. Some of them are redemptive. God. And so uh, let's look at what, what Paul shows us here. But, but I, wanna, I want us to pause, and as we continue to read the scriptures from now on, I, I don't want us to, just to go so quickly uh, through lists of names and conclusions or beginnings or even in the middle. Okay, guys? Let's see what he's trying to teach us. Okay, me is not going. You can keep, if, I'm hit, if' I'm looking at it for two minutes, you can hit it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> So let's look at verse seven. Um, so um notice so uh, we start uh, we start with the man uh, Tychikas, right and uh and if you're uh, uh, you know when you're in, in Greek, they always tell you that that, that uh, Greek usually uh, puts the accent on on a second. Uh, syllables. So if you were like doing it, you know, you do the little Google thing, and it, it t- you can like play how you say it. You, ever, you know y'all have done that before. You don't know how to say a word, and you go to Google, and it goes, Tychicus. You go, sweet. Now I know how to say it. So that's how you, so that's how you say that. Um, all right, so Tychicus. Um, look at, you, you, those are addresses for him. Uh, you can go to those, and you can learn a little bit more about, about Tychicus. Um, I just want to talk about a few things that we see uh, in the text here. Uh, Paul has before I continue, Paul has uh, he's written uh, or has an amuensis uh, who's written a letter to to the Colossians. Uh, we know that Epaphras is found the Colossians. We know that Paul is kind of over the whole thing, uh, and Paul is writing this during his first uh, imprisonment. Okay, because we know in his second imprisonment is actually when he um, he experiences death. That's when he dies. Okay, so he's in his first imprisonment. Uh, He's been uh, serving the Lord for uh, uh, quite a while now, experiencing uh, great heartache, uh, but also some joys. And so we enter here. Here he is in prison. He's um, concluding uh, things as he's written to the Colossian church, an occasional letter. And we say occasional uh, because uh, the letters, again, the scriptures aren't just doctrine proper. It's not just teaching proper, but they're teaching based on scenarios that are happening in times and places in history. It's happening in that time. So the scenario is someone's, uh, you know, being sexually uh, promiscuous with their stepmom or something crazy, First Corinthians 5, and they write to, to speak to that. Okay, so this is an occasional letter. And we um, get toward the end here. And hopefully we've had a great time uh, seeing uh, Paul give us an understanding and a theology of prayer, of helping us understand uh, what does it mean to uh, let the word of Christ dwell richly within us. Hopefully that's one of your, your, your scripture memory verses, uh, Colossians uh, 3.16, and, and really because it seems to be the door hinge of what he's talking about when he's talking about taking off the old self and putting on the new self. And then he continues to tell us, so what does it look like practically as we deal with our husbands, as we deal with our kids, as we deal with those that we are. In authority over, Uh, basically, what does it mean to see theology be lived practically? Uh, And then we get here. uh, I'm sorry. Even after that, he begins. He shares with the the church, "Pray for me, your leader. I'm going to be praying for you. I want to give you some some tidbits of what does it look like to share your faith." Uh, And then we have this evangelistic bent that we saw last week. And then we enter into this text here, uh, where he's kind of signing off and he's uh, basically sharing with the people um, in in Colossae. uh, He's telling them, hey, here's what's going on on our end. Be encouraged. So he starts here. He starts with this man here, uh, Tychicus. And the first thing we learn is that... uh, that he's, a, that he's a servant, right? Um, I, I'd say he's a servant because here's a guy, um, when you look through the different addresses, you're going to see a guy who actually uh, does some pastoral roles in some of the letters, and then you're going to see a guy who's basically a, a, a delivery boy. Now, did Paul trust this guy? Well, of course he did. Um, he delivered two or three of the epistles, okay? And when, you, when, when someone's telling you, hey, man, hey, can you actually get Colossians and Philemon uh, to the churches, uh, that's kind of a big task. I mean, he could have screwed it up, and we'd be all messed up right now, right? We'll have, like, 25 letters, and there's 27 letters. So, so that's a big job. Now, I say two or three because there's a debate, you know, if, uh, if Ephesians was one of them. I'm in a camp that Ephesians was one of them because uh, the, other, the, the, the letter was the church to the Laodiceans, which I'm proposing, um, and other theologians agree with me, that that was actually the Ephesians letter that we read today, um, but that's not something you leave the church over. Just wanted to give you my thoughts. Um, at, we, don't, we, can, we can at least agree that he delivered two of the letters, Philemon and Colossians. Um, so here's a guy who um, seems that, that Paul is encouraged by him. He's uh, a faithful brother. Uh, he's been with Paul. He's been caring for Paul. Uh, he's, he's been a servant. And uh, I would propose in a race, he's saying, hey, I want uh, to... to uh, I'm sending him to to encourage your hearts, to help you understand what's going on. Uh, This guy seems like a pretty stand-up guy. So we have a guy um, in the ministry who's um, shown tried and true. He's shown longevity. Um, He's known Paul for a while, and he's kind of fighting to fight well. And um, hopefully um, you don't see much more about him in Scripture, so hopefully he's finishing the race.
0: Let me see here.
1: There we go. We continue on, and he talks about a guy named Onesimus, okay? Um, so we have Tychicus is doing well, but then we have a guy um, where I feel like it seems that there's a, a cool story of redemption uh, that Paul provides, and he even says it here, right? Our faithful brother and, and beloved brother, uh, who is one of you? Why does he say that? Um, if you know Onesimus' story, is um, he was a slave to Philemon, Okay? Valimian was a very wealthy guy. Onesimus was a slave. For whatever reason, he did not want to be a slave any longer, and he actually ran away. So we don't, the, the, uh, historians don't let us know if he stole something, if he was in the wrong. But what we do know is that when you run away as a slave in that culture, especially in the first century, uh, the, the payment was execution. Okay? So, so, his, so if he was to get caught, he would be murdered. He would be killed. Okay. Um, look how good God is. He runs, he runs to Rome. It's about two million people in Rome, and he bumps into Paul. <laughs> Can you imagine? All right? He bumps into Paul, and he comes to Christ. Uh, he becomes a Christian, and then Paul says, hey, I want you to go on back. He, he gets his mind right, and he says, Philemon, I'm sending him back to you. Don't kill him because he's your brother now. All right? And, obviously, um, let me read something to you, which which is interesting. Um, Early church history has, I don't know if you, so one of our church fathers, um, um, let us see here, Ignatius says, uh, he writes in in some antiquities, uh, that a few years after the New Testament era, um, uh, there there was a pastor in the Smyrna church, and he says, "...since then, I am in the name of God, I receive your entire congregation." He's writing to the Colossians. He says, Since then, in the name of God, I received your entire congregation in the person of Anisimus, a man of inexpressible love and your pastor. I beseech you in Christ to love him and all who are like him. So, uh, Again, I wouldn't down this hill, but there's uh, there's there's debate in scholarship that they actually think uh, this man who was a slave who was supposed to be murdered comes to Christ. He comes back into the fold. Philemon totally welcomes him. What we see in the scriptures. He continues to grow up in his faith. He becomes a leader, and he eventually becomes Philemon's pastor. Beautiful story of redemption. We continue on. We have Aristarchus here. He says, my fellow prisoner greets you in verse 10 as you look at your scriptures. Here's a guy who was uh, what we would call in our community, he was ride or die. He was down for whatever. He was a committed a saint for many years to Paul. Here's a guy, if you remember some of these scripture references here, write them down in your address. You have Acts 19, the riot in Ephesus. Remember when Paul got the beat down? Well, Aristarchus was with him, all right? He took a couple too, all right? Uh, you continue on. Uh, you remember when, in, in Acts 27 when he, uh, Paul was on the boat, and, and it's all going crazy, and, I mean, it was, the whole, it was shipwrecked, remember? And they all scared, and Paul says, listen, trust me. You know, I, I got a Holy Spirit, and doing, this whole God thing is on me. We're not going to die, but it's going to be really jacked up. But you've got to listen to me. And then all the guys, now he's a prisoner, right? And then they, they're like, we'll listen to you, <laughs> okay? And they listen to him, and they don't die, but the ship... Uh, the ship gets destroyed. Well, he was there. He was with. He was with Paul during all of this, all, right, all this drama. Um, even in here, it says, "My fellow prisoner." Um, we know he was with them in in, uh, in in Ephesus when he was building that church for three years. Uh, you can, you'll see that as you, as you look in your text, uh, but it says he, he, was in, he was in prison. This could mean that he actually was in prison with Paul because he was always with them. And if you notice, when you look at the different texts, you'll notice that Aristarchus usually doesn't do anything. He just hangs around really crazy people, right? And he finds himself like, huh, I get beat up. Like, I didn't even say nothing, you know? You with Paul. Why? Why am in a boat? I'm throwing up. I need germamine. Like, Why? because like, you and Paul, right? And then he, he goes here and he says he was in prison. He could have been in prison with Paul, but also, again, in the first century, there was individuals where if someone was sick or if they, they, uh, or if they had individuals who were committed to them, they would let a prisoner have someone who can kind of bring them things and kind of care for them in a, in a surrogate manner, okay? And so uh, many, many theologians think that that's what he was, that although he maybe not have been in prison, it was like he was because he was there taking care of Paul the whole time. So we have a guy who kind of is doing well. We have a slave who gets redeemed, and God just shows a redemptive life, which, by the way, hope that encourages all of us, is that your story is never written. God can, God can do something in your life. You don't have to go, oh, this, this is who I am. Man, God can make you a pastor from a slave. And then you get this guy who's just, you know, he, he's, not, he's not the big dog. He's not up out front, but he's just faithfully committed to the mission. And you say, what can I do to make sure that the mission moves forward? And you don't hear a lot of words from him. But what you see is a man who's leading quietly behind the scenes, making sure that the leader is exalting Christ well. You move on, guys, and you have Mark. It says, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Now, Mark—he's a cousin of Barnabas, right? And uh, Mark has a, a interesting, uh, interesting past. I don't know if you remember. Uh, they're uh, they're they're about to travel to Pamphos, and, and 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 they're going, and, and you know, actually, actually, uh, Paul is really excited about Mark. He's encouraged by Mark. He's like, "Mark's my man." Uh, hey, but now they're going to go and do a mission, a missionary uh, trip, you know, because he took three major missionary journeys. In, uh, in history. Now, us, we think missionary two weeks. You no, his missionary journey was a little year or so. He, you know, this was a long time, but he took them. He took about three major ones. Uh, it would be a good Bible study for you guys to check out those missionary journeys and understand those facts as you're being about the gospel and community. Um, but what happens is uh, this one is kind of dangerous because now you've got to go into unknown territory. You've got to climb the hills of Galatia, and it's kind of crazy. It was very dangerous. People getting robbed. It was a, hor- it was a crazy time. And Peter, I'm sorry. Mark says, "I'm down. I'm, I'm not doing it," and he uh, he deserts him. He deserts. Um, he deserted Paul. I don't know if you remember that passage. And Paul was frustrated. Okay, uh, to the point uh, that Paul wouldn't travel with Mark anymore. Uh, you remember this? There was a there was a little there was a little fight that they broke out, it says, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, Carl, Mark, um, which, which I'm getting now because uh, I was his boy, I was his cousin. At first I'm like, why is that? But now I do more research. Okay, you can't, you can't, play, you can't play your cousin, right? So, so they get into an argument. Paul says, no, that guy deserted me, and I grew up, I don't know where you grew up, but where I grew up, if, I, if I'm with you and we boys and I get beat up, you better have a black eye too. You know what I'm saying? And so I think Paul came from my hood, where it was like, Will you not come with me? Well, we can't hang out then because we're supposed to be boys. We need to be right or die like my other people. And so it says here, you know, he wanted, he says, so but Barnabas obviously being his cousin, like, well, I'll take him. And then what Paul did throughout the history, you'll see uh, is that he travels with Silas. So he changes things. I'm not traveling with this guy. And look says. But Paul uh, thought best not to take uh, with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia uh, and had not gone with them to the work. See that? Say, I'm not, no, I remember you, 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 you left, so no, I'm not taking them. So, so the story ended there, it be interesting, but you know what? Praise the, praise the Lord for redemption, uh, because something happens, um, even as you look at this text uh, in verse 10 here. I love the, look at, that, look at that little phrase there. If he comes to you, welcome him. I wonder, I wonder if Paul knew, you know, Paul had made it known probably what had happened. And so, and Paul is a leader, one of the leaders of the New Testament church, okay, especially to the Gentiles. And so I'm wondering if Paul said "I mean, you know what, things have happened, maybe they patched it up, maybe Paul had some sin in his life he had to deal with, maybe Mark had to, you know, confess his, his um, lack of courage, maybe it, was, maybe it was some both issue, who knows what it was, but something happened where Paul saw it fit to vouch for Mark again and to say, now listen, you might want to be a hater on Mark because I told you what he did, but no, 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 you need to welcome him when he comes. I think we can back that up even more. I don't think I'm reading into the text, but but I love the fact that, um, remember, they just had the separation, but you see that, but plus you see the fact that here's a guy um, who deserts Paul, there's all this drama, but he's one of the guys who writes one of the Gospels. Right? And then look at the end of the life. Look at at what happens in 2 Timothy 4.11. Let's read his text. Look what he says here. This is Paul, end of his life. He's about to die, okay? And look what he says. Luke alone is with me, just Luke. He says, says, look, he has all these people, okay, that he's ministered to, that he's led, who's serving on the behalf of Jesus, but who Paul is leading. Look who he asked for, end of his life. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for me. To me for ministry. Something happened. Something happened in that relationship. Where now he's saying, Hey, when he comes, you welcome him. He's a good man. Something happened. You see that? Where the Holy Spirit says, You're going to write a gospel. And in the gospel, you see Mark being very humble, talking about himself. They even say they think that's Mark, the one who's naked, who runs in the scripture. There's a humility that comes. And in here he says, get Mark. He's useful to me. So we have another beautiful story of life. It's hard. There had to be a journey. Tears, misunderstandings, forgiveness. Sounds like us, huh? continue on. Jesus, who is called justice. We have a man here. He says, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. There's a Jew here streaming. He's swimming upstream, guys. Right? Can you imagine? Okay, you got to remember in this time. See, we've we got to remember now, he, Paul did not want to just separate and say, no, we're evangelicals. You guys are Jews. That was never the desire for Paul. Paul saw himself as a Jew who was now informed. He wasn't starting a New Testament, what we think of as like Protestantism or something weird like that. Paul and the people of God were kicked out of Judaism, and they started calling them the way. Why? Because the Jews knew, if we keep, going home, we're boys, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm just talking, telling you Jesus has come. They said, no, 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 you saying that going to get all us killed because we're still under the power and authority of Rome. So you either get in line and be a nice religion or we're going to have to separate from you. That's what happened. Okay. So there was a distinction Well, now a Jew had to decide, and that's part and parcel of what's going on in the book of Hebrews, as you read Hebrews, is that that, the writer who, you know, many people are saying is it Paul or someone else, is saying no matter what you have to do, even if you die, don't recant Jesus out out of your Judaism because he's real. That's the whole point. And so here it means something, guys, when you see him saying, hey, we got a few Jews who are sticking in there. They're they're swimming upstream. The world is telling them they're stupid and crazy. Why are you dealing with this? all this racism? And they're saying, no, those are my people. Those Gentiles can have the Holy Spirit too. So there, he's swimming upstream. There's a couple other ones. I love hearing the concept. It says he served the Lord and he was an encouragement to Paul. Look what it says. He says, uh, among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So here's a guy who, who's just there to encourage Paul. He's he's encouraging and, and reminding Paul, you're not crazy, man. I know, you, I know you got beat down again, but we gotta go back. We gotta go back, okay? We gotta preach the gospel. Okay, we gotta stick in here. We can't move. We gotta do it. We can do it. Look at it, look at what it says. I love the word comfort. The root means a medicine that lessens pain. Comfort, like uh, I wonder, did Paul feel pain? Read a few of the letters. Look at his list. When he gets frustrated, he writes a list. You're going to tell me something about pain? And then he goes through his list. I'll tell you pain about getting whipped and shipwrecked and beaten to death and beaten again where I'm seeing heavens and all this other stuff. I'll tell you pain. And I think we're getting a little picture here of some relational pain as we continue on. Epaphras here he says, "Who is one of you? Right? Why is he one of them? Because he found, he, he founded the church, right? The Colossian church, uh, servant of Christ. So we know he launched the church. Calls him here a servant of Christ. I love the sense of struggling on your behalf and prayers. This mindset of prayer. You don't think that remi- does that remind you of uh, of four two? What we talked about in verse two of chapter four. What we talked about in chapter one." That theme of prayer, that, that vibrant prayer life. See that? Why? So that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God, is what he wanted. I love that the fact this prayer life is mentioned. I, I have, you know, I have dear friends in this body, and I, and I was just looking at this text, and I was thinking, you know what, I was going to make a plea to my friends. Um, you guys, I love you all to death. Obviously, I have some guys that I'm actually super close with, and I just want to say, man, if, if, as your leader, I'm praying that you would pray for me. I just want to plead to you right now. Would you, would you ask the Holy Spirit to allow you to build a prayer life for your pastors? To ask God to 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 speak to us through the Scriptures, to to live a holy life, to love our families, uh, to love and honor you well, to point you to Jesus, um, to not to not sacrifice the gospel. Would you would you pray for me? Would you would you just, just um, yeah? Would you seek the Lord for me? I want to ask you to do that, please. I love he mentions this prayer life there. Continues on. Look at this. Says Luke talks about Luke, you know, Luke the beloved physician greets you. This concept of beloved, you think you run past that. Uh, it's just interesting how Paul we'll see in a moment how he'll say different uh, tidbits and some with some people and not for others, which we'll see in a moment. But we have Luke who um, is a physician, as we know, and I don't know is, was he Paul's personal physician? Paul always had stuff going on with him, so I don't know, but but he. He was a physician. I feel like, and I, I wonder if some of our physicians here can, can, can identify with this because we always get so many free house calls with you guys. So, um, but yeah, you know, the sense of, you know, I don't know if he's a personal physician or not, but he, um, but I'm wondering, I'm wondering what he, and again, I don't know if this was a prominent field back then uh, like it is now, but I'm, I always ask myself, like, what did he, did he, did he have to give up a lot to, to say, I'm going to be a missionary at Paul? I wonder, was that kind of bizarre? You know, you're a doctor, man. Why are you traveling around with this goofball? Getting beat up and stuff. I just wonder. It's interesting. But um, well, there he is, and he writes a gospel for us to um, understand Jesus. It seems that like he and Paul were close because, what do we, we see earlier? Remember the end of his life? What did he say? He says, you know, he says, only Luke is with me. That whole concept there, that's a a very serious concept because he's saying, man, everybody deserted me. No, he's not, it's not not just a pity party. He's like, man, this is real. Man, only Luke's with me right now. I'm about to die. Luke alone is with me. See that, guys? As does Demas. Isn't that interesting? Uh, This, Demas is an interesting character because... um, it's almost like he just flows by his name um, you look at this passage here. Look at this. He says that, and I want to say in Philemon 23, it seems like, you know, demon stars are great, right? Um, he's kind of, you know, G, uh, he, he's, he's mentioned with the, uh, a group of other people as beloved. I don't know if we have that here. Do we have that here? Uh, but nothing mentioned is mentioned of his character in this text. Now, notice all the other people as beloved and fellow servant and all these things. But right here, it's almost like if you look at your opening of your Bibles and look at that little pericope there that we're reading, uh, look at verse 14 and 13, it's almost like he's saying all these things and he's like, and demons. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what's going on here. You know why? Because I'm human. And, and what I wonder if Paul is, wanting, is having us see is, man, we work with people. Look at this. Because Demas doesn't finish out well, although he starts well in Philemon. He doesn't finish well, guys. And I'm, I'm wondering if, if Paul, at this stage, started seeing things in Demas' character. Look what he says in the scriptures. This is 2 Timothy. For Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica right um, the Crescent is going to Galatia um, uh, Titus to, De- to, to Dalmatia so you go from Philemon where he's beloved to a guy who's actually kind of just left the faith he's he's um, you know time goes on and you keep looking at the Mercedes and you just go is it really worth it you know doing this hood thing you know, when the world tells me I gotta put my stake in something else. And uh, it just says very clearly, he, he loved the present world. You know? And we know that doesn't mean he was kissing on trees. You know, he wasn't kissing the dirt, it wasn't earth. He loved the world, he loved the things of the world, material possessions. Maybe he was a, he had sexual addictions. Who knows what it was? Whatever it is, Paul calls him out in Scripture. Says, you know what? He started well, but he didn't finish well. And guys, when I look back at that text, I am wondering if he just says, "And does Demas? As does Demas? I wonder if there's. He's kind of it's kind of like, hmm, this brother. I wonder. What we do know is he doesn't finish well. And I think it's comparable to what we deal with today, guys. What you deal with, and what are you really chasing for at a heart level? And here's the thing, you might be doing a good job right now, clinging hold to truth, right? But that's the thing about the race, is where are we going to be 10 years from now? Can you still say, I don't love money? Can you still grab hold of the cross and not worldly things? And in the verse, he who endureth to the end shall be saved means more and more to me every year I get older. Continues on, talks about Nympha here. I don't have anything for Nympha because I think that's what, that's what it was supposed to be about. It says, give my greetings to my brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. You know, I just think it's cool that, that we don't get a lot of information about Nympha But what we do know is that her house is a gospel center. And I just think that's very interesting uh, that Paul would do that, that Paul would want to show us. And to me, um, this is more implication, not theology. Is there something that God is just wanting to teach me about? How do you just do good with what you got? You know, it's not saying anything about how she preaches, what she's doing, her skill set, her gift. It says, man, she offered her home. She offered her home for the kingdom. So we were able to extend God's glory because of an open home. Doesn't give us anything else. I wonder why. He could have, but he didn't. And I wonder if that's on purpose. I wonder. He goes on. He says, listen, look at this, guys. Look at this. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of Laodiceans. Notice... These epistles here, when you're teaching doctrine and you're out in the streets, remember, epistles are occasional, but they circulate it. So it's not just that Ephesians, the church of Ephesus read Ephesians and nobody else. It went all around, okay? And I love that because it's almost like what we do in our prayer requests. Like, this is, Ephesians, this is Ephesus business, but I want you to let the, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Colossians know what's going on, right, in Ephesus. And we're going to let the people know what's going on in the Corinthian church, and so everyone's getting these letters going, man, what y'all, y'all crazy in Corinth, right? So it's all out there. It's not some secret. It's not in a vacuum. And he says, and say to Archippus, um, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Interesting. So I'm pretty sure is he, he's the last one. He ends it with Archippus. Hey, Make sure that you you be encouraged. Look at this. Um, So I I already said that I I think Laodiceans might be the uh, the letter to the Ephesians. Um, I'm wondering here, was Archippus discouraged? I'm wondering if one of the main reasons why he sends this little pericope here uh, to just kind of remind us, remind Archippus, hey, man, There's some good stories. There's some bad ones. Don't get discouraged though. Okay? You hang in there. All right. I've had people leave me too. I love this. It says, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I wonder. I'm sorry. So the question I ask, do you think the rest of the letter encouraged Archippus? So I'm thinking of this whole letter, you know, of prayer, and then the word of Christ dwell in you, how we treat one another, and you get down here into the nitty-gritty of the family life. I'm wondering if it encouraged Archippus, if he thought, oh. Because, see, guys, I, I'm proposing to you, that like this passage is trying to remind us of a, bunch of, of a bunch of things, and I'm just going to put them up here. And that's first, uh, that, that this journey is about people, guys. And, and um, when I look at the letter, I mean, you, you're talking about uh, Paul is dealing with people who've been with him many years in this little letter with these 10 people. He's, he's, he has people who's been with him 40 years and a few years, right? People who are, who are Jewish and people who wouldn't even know who Abraham was. Uh, you got people who are wealthy, uh, people who don't have much. You have slaves and and business owners. Uh, You have educated people. And you see it all come together uh, where he's saying, you know what? Some people um, were givers. Uh, Some people were sent out. Some people fought well. Some people maybe needed to be recognized and weren't, so they left. Some people didn't care about notoriety at all, and they faithfully served. Some people, and I've experienced this, some people are going to just, are going to leave. And Some people you're going to sin against, and they're going to forgive you. Some people you're going to sin against, and they're never going to forgive you. Some people, you're going to always have that question. Why did that happen? Why did that happen? How did it it get there? And you're never going to be able to answer the question. There's going to be people in my life, until the day I meet Jesus, I'm going to go, what happened there, Jesus? I just don't get that one. You're going to want to answer What the Lord is trying to show us is that Paul does not sit and write and live this perfect life and, you know, share ministry and never have any pain. But you look at his life and you go, oh, like, wow, Paul dealt with the same things. Like, people that hurt his heart, people who encouraged him. And and you get a little picture. You get a little picture of that, wow. Do you see that, guys? Do you look and see in the first century that he sinned against people, too? He hurt people. And people hurt him. And you're seeing a letter here, and you have casualties, and you have superstars. And... You know what he's trying to teach us? Is that our life is a lot like his. It's a like like his. <laughs> and, um, and in that, the question he's uh, wanting us to ask is, um, man, in the midst of all that, how, how can we be a light where we are? How do we keep on keeping on? How do we be misunderstood? Right? How do we get it right sometimes? And sometimes you don't. But he tells archipus, "You gotta keep on, buddy. You keep on fighting." And it's, and to remember, it's a journey. It's a journey. We're on a journey, Macav. It's a journey where man, God is making us more like Jesus and we're going to hurt each other. We're going to struggle. We're going to have some joyous times. And, um, but it's a long, hard journey. And uh, he wants us to be encouraged that, hey, he went through it too. He went through it too. But at the end of the day, the question is, uh, as your leader, my prayer for each one of us in this body is that we would take serious that we are to leave a legacy. And that what we see in the scriptures here is we see people who just give their houses to sitting next to a person in prison for years And they're saying, you know what? I'm just trying to do the best I can for the kingdom. And if we can say that, the reason why we have discipleship, the reason why uh, we're holding each other accountable, the reason why we treat you like Christians when you say you are, is so that at the end of the day you can say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by God's grace, I did the best I could. I tried to honor Jesus. Jesus. I trust Jesus. And here I here 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 is my imperfect, as my boy said earlier, here is my imperfect worship. And the reason why we fight, the reason why we have issues is because we we don't want you to settle for anything less than that. Ask yourself what legacy we leave. That's my heart. Let me say this one thing for you guys. When I look at this, it does. A flood of emotion and past experiences and pains and my own sin and sin done toward me and my passion and desire to want to lead you well pop out. And I just want you to know that that by God's grace, I, I too, I want to be able to say at the end of the day, Lord Jesus, with my brokenness, and my stuff, I really did the best I could for you guys. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to see you. Thank you for showing us to Paul uh, just the lives that were uh, affected by the gospel. And Lord, thank you that you show us this a uh, It's a hard road filled with joy and pain. And, Lord, we we thank you that Paul's goal is not for us to pull our bootstraps up, but to say, Lord Jesus, would you give me the grace to go on that road with courage and with, with intentionality and consistency and longevity. And most importantly, with love and joy. We ask that you would do that with each person in this body. And for those who are not on that road, Lord Jesus, would you allow them to see the gospel, to see that, Jesus, you are the only answer to man's issue, and that is, we think we're God and we're not. You're the God alone, and you love us, and you want and deserve our worship. And that, Lord, left unto ourselves, we will experience hell, we will experience separation from you, we will experience destruction. There's no way out, but only in Christ. And we pray that each person who's now under trying to see if that's the role for them, they would see you are the only person that matters. And would you give them the grace to say yes to Jesus right now? And we do that by faith, by trusting you. That we're fools to think that we could do this ourselves. And we repent. We agree with you, Jesus, that we can't, and we turn from our wicked ways and we trust you, Jesus to do it for us. And you tell us, but by faith. You are our daddy. And you make us your son and daughter. I pray, um, if that's anyone's heart in this room right now who has not understood the gospel, that you, uh, in your heart, would believe that Jesus is your king by faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.